Leading a school district is a unique responsibility, and it's clearly not getting any easier. People rely on you for answers to complicated problems, which feels isolating and sometimes unrealistic. Conferences or webinars, even good ones, don't solve problems when you need it. And sitting and staring at slides with someone talking at you doesn't help either. What if there was a better way? What if you belong to a national, hand-picked community of Java-alike school leaders who could circle up to strategize and solve your most challenging problems when you need it? What if you had access to ongoing content that helped you solve problems and lead every day? There is a better way. When you join Leading Ed Solutions, you'll join a carefully selected, highly committed group of Java-like peers from across the country, a support system beyond your backyard, school leaders helping other school leaders. Real people tracking real issues in real time. Simply submit your challenge. We'll circle you up with your peers to provide solutions. Our content works because it's accessible, practical, and created by proven leaders just like you. You don't have to lead alone. Apply to Leading Ed today and discover why circles are better than rows. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, uh, leaders, and most important members of Leading Ed. I hope all is well today, and uh, I'm excited for this discussion. As many of you know, our content is really meant to be very focused, pragmatic, digestible. You know, the concept of Leading Ed is we circle up, so we try to do less talking at you, but it's also really important that we tap the expertise and the collective wisdom of one another, and that's what these leader chats are. And there's, there's a variety of challenges we know currently in education and actually even more on its way. So some of the obvious challenges are, of course, how you re-enter schools for those school districts that have not launched into face-to-face -face instruction yet. The concept of how you stay in school. Many of our schools throughout the country are in school, but COVID is causing an incredible um, strain on being able to manage the day-to-day -day operations of, of students and teachers being together. Um, there's the upcoming budget challenges, and we know that's going to be the case for years. Um, there's teacher shortages, and we're worried about that, but we're worried about a lot of things. I'm also really worried about leaders, um, just the overall health of leaders, um, the longevity, and the turnover. And um, with every challenge comes opportunity. And so the concept here is to always reach out and try to find some experts who can come help us in these particular areas. And so I'm extremely, extremely excited. I'm going to be talking to you about Hank, but before I do that, let me go back and just talk about Hank. Uh, that was Hank here. I'm going to invite him here in a second. Um, now, Hank is a really good friend of mine. Uh, we actually go way back, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit. But his bio um, is also just as impressive. He's a seasoned Chief Human Resources Officer and Consultant. Hank Harris is the founder and principal of Human Capital Enterprises. His passion is building ethical and successful organizations by finding the most talented individuals with the greatest track record of commitment and integrity. Formerly serving as Executive Director of Human Resources for the school districts in Portland, Oregon, and Bellingham, Washington, Hank also served on the National Governing Board of the American Association of School Personnel of Administrators, with a previous background as a teacher, a middle school principal, Hank now supports clients nationwide. He's an avid traveler, piano player, and Seahawks fan. He's passionate about ensuring that every employer 
employee, an aspiring leader is well served by a top drawer human capital department. And um, Hank and I go back even further than him being president of human capital enterprises. Um, and we'll talk some of our, about some of our work together here in, uh, in, a, in a moment. So without further ado, Hank, how are you? Jeff, it's so good to be with you. I'm doing, I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Now, Hank and I are on opposite coasts. So I am in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, Hank, you're, you know, hanging out in sunny California, correct? I am in dreary Palm Springs. Uh, yeah, where the skies are always sunny and I think it's 80 outside. Yeah, that's, that's just a shame. <laughs> you poor guy. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Hank and I go back to Portland. So, um, you know, we, you actually missed something in your, in your bio here. You were also a director of personnel for the Canby School District. Um, yes, yes. I thought you were intentionally omitting that because you were going to work up to when you sort of talked about the Canby School District. No, I just I wanted to tease you for it not being on your bio on your website. It absolutely should be. Yeah. I, I thought maybe you were eliminating that for a purpose. No, great community. That was actually one of, um, we're going to talk about that, right? I mean, one of the best leadership teams I was ever a part of. And I don't know, maybe because Jeff Rose was on that team. I don't know. But um, great <laughs> community in the Portland area. Yeah, I learned a lot there. Do you remember where we first met, though? Well, I know we were colleagues in a previous school district. I remember you well in Westland Wilsonville. Um, so for those of you who are not familiar with the Portland area, Westland Wilsonville is pretty darn close to the wonderful community of Canby. And it, I believe that's where we first met, unless there was a time before, Jeff. Was there a time before that? No, that, that was the time. But you were actually, uh, as you were the assistant principal at a middle school in the Westland Wilsonville School District. I was a fourth and fifth grade teacher, but also working on my administrative practicum. And um, you were the one who had to sign off on my experience, you know, my time in the middle school um, there. And so I worked with a teacher who, um, and I observed a, a teacher named Maureen Callahan. I don't know, of course, Mo. Of right? course. And um, later, you were the one who had to sign off that I did my hours at the middle school. So, how do I not know that? I don't. How did I not remember that? That's that's great. I mean, yeah, I, I just didn't make an impression. That, that's why. Well, I, I was I, I was I tough on you? Was I like making sure that you had actually done your hours and show some evidence for the time you spent in the school? I think you were trying to discipline a student at the same time I needed your signature, something like that. <laughs> So, wow, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. Talk, talk to us, Hank. What have you been up to? I mean, what are you up to these days? Well, I spend uh, the great majority of my time right now uh, in support of school boards who are looking for outstanding superintendents or superintendents who are looking for outstanding leaders to join their team. So I have spent actually most of the last decade in, in this work. Uh, I occasionally dabble in other kinds of human capital, human resources support for schools. But primarily these days, that's what I'm doing is finding great leaders um, for great dis for, for school districts and for folks who want to elevate their practice and move their school districts forward. Um, those are folks who sometimes will partner with me and I go out and find talent. Sometimes I'm called a headhunter. Um, which for some reason is a word that I don't love, right? It has sort of a violent sort of sensibility to it. So somebody recently, and I have to remember who this person was, and I, I don't, but I need to, because they said, why don't you call yourself a matchmaker? And so I'm trying to make that like, right? Like that's, yeah. that's what I'm 
Yeah. I'm not a headhunter. I'm a matchmaker. So whoever told me I should call myself that, if they're watching this, I hope you'll ping me and remind me that it was your brilliance, not mine, uh, that that's, that's what I am. Well, that's, that's a good point because as you know in your work and as I've learned in my time as uh, a district and school leader, it, it is about fit, right? It's yeah. not always about accomplishments or resume. It's about finding the right fit from the organization to the leader and, of course, vice versa. And so match my, matchmaker makes a lot more sense than headhunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's what I've been doing. This has been a um, this has been a really difficult and busy year, which is the understatement of the day. It has been for everybody, and I am mindful. It is as busy as my work is right now, and probably more vacancies right now at this moment in January 2021 than I've probably ever had to deal with. The complexity of my work pales in comparison to the complexity of what school leaders are facing daily and have since last March. And not easier right now. I mean, this month is in some ways more complicated than it's already been, which has been incredibly complicated. And you know that, Jeff, and the folks who are listening who are running school districts and supporting school districts know that. So I'm mindful that as busy as my life is and how many hours a day I spend working, I'm not, I'm not facing the myriad of incredibly difficult problems that school leaders are facing right now. Well, I can, I can humble myself, too, by saying that I've, I've led through some really tough and sometimes strange things in the past. Nothing like this. So yeah. I have not been a, a superintendent amidst any of this COVID chaos. And so it's not even fair for me to, you know, Monday morning quarterback what's happening because I'm not doing it. This is this is something this is a whole new ballgame. Um, yeah. So, you you know, you're right. It's just. It's, it's hard to wrap your head around. And it's 2021. I think that there was even an expectation, even though we knew it wouldn't automatically become easier. But, you know, January has been a tough month for people, right? And um, in a lot of ways, you know, what has happened in D.C. and some of those challenges naturally find their way, you know, to school districts. But in the meantime, this pressure on getting kids into schools um, is now um, more intense than ever. And for the schools that have had students in school, keeping them there as our numbers are running rampant, um, it's just mind-blowing. You know, 2021 didn't just turn things on a positive note on a, on a dime. We're hoping no, in the future, that, but it hasn't happened that, yet. So Right, right. Yep. So, you know, um, I read some of, you know, your experiences. You know, you've been a leader at the school level, um, a number of districts. Um, you've also helped, you know, districts kind of, you know, throughout throughout the country. So I'm just, maybe you could walk us through some of some of these past roles. You don't have to give us your entire resume, but more importantly, what have been some of the major learnings along the way through, you know, your really impressive experiences? Mm, well, uh, thank you for those kind words. Um, uh, well, short, short little bio that, I mean, I, I, as you said before, we I, I got my start in the Portland, Portland, Oregon area. That's where I did most of my work, actually. Uh, I was a teacher uh, at an alternative high school, um, so at-risk youth. Uh, I served as an assistant principal in a couple of districts. The first year I was an assistant principal, I got laid off due to a fin state finances, um, which is not unusual in our field, right? But it always hurts when it's you. 
I was one administrator in the entire school district that got my pink slip. And although I knew, I knew there was a financial reason, not a performance reason, you can't help but thinking something I did that just made us need time to get right, right, right. And you know, as awful as that experience is, you know, um, when you ultimately become an HR director and you're actually dealing front on center with people's lives and livelihoods and making decisions about it certainly made me a far more sensitive and I, hopefully an effective um, leader to actually have had that that experience. And people bounce. And so, you know, I was I was lucky that I did. I found my way to that district, Western Wilsonville, where uh, you were working in those days. Um, spent a few years there. I became, uh, after that, I was a middle school principal. And um, after I was a middle school principal, I, I took a central office job in assessment. I don't know if you know that about me, Jeff. I spent a year in assessment. Um, that was not a good match for me. Um, I'm not. I'm not really the assessment guy. Um, but I. I was lucky that after that, I found my way to the the area of the organization that I think um, suited me really well, and the the one where I felt like maybe I made my best contributions, and that was in the area of human resources or human capital. Uh, and I did that in three different districts. Um, and about a decade ago, as I think I said, I, I moved into this work as a, as a practi private practitioner supporting school districts and school wards. I think you asked me lessons I learned the way. Is that, That's right. is that what? Yeah, right. Um, you know, I think, well, I, think, I think I would say, I, I think this is really salient now, although I think I learned it in HR and now it's really maybe even come, come home even more is the notion of um, sort of two approaches to how we think about the humans who populate our workplace and schools. And one is about grace and one is about the non-negotiables around conduct. And both are super important. And I don't know that I always earlier in my career balanced those two. Um, so let's talk about grace for a minute. I mean, Folks come to school, whatever their roles are, whether they're teachers, paraprofessionals, my goodness, bus drivers, um, and our, whatever your role is in a school, it's hard. And some of those folks, you know, get paid not great, and some of them get paid terribly, And right? And they still come to work and they have really difficult, it's all about the love, it's all about helping kids, and they don't often get the recognition um, and the work is hard. And you know what? They're humans and they make mistakes. And I think that we see that there's something about this year right now where I, maybe it's because we're all asking for grace from our communities. Cause like, right. Yeah. Um, it makes me think about the grace with which we need to approach our, our, our staff. And we're not always, we're not always, at least historically, we haven't always been full of grace toward the errors that people might make as they're working hard in the, in the service of kids. And there's also a flip side, which is hopefully very rare, but it does happen. Um, when it happens, we have to do something about it. And there's, there's, there's no, <laughs> there should be no hesitation when somebody does something that, and we all know what I'm talking about right now, the kind of conduct uh, that reflects somebody who absolutely should not be around kids. We have to take care of that right away, yeah. like in the moment. Um, and that's a much smaller and super important part and it's much smaller. Um, and sometimes that pulls people and we forget that gray side for all the other great work and errors that are made. And I think that's what I, what, you know, maybe through my journey of being a teacher and a principal and an HR guy. Um, and actually, uh, let me, let me say it, it actually is in my search work as well, maybe on a different level, which is 
Um, well, let me let me let me say that because so it's different now, right? So I'm a search consultant now, or a matchmaker. Right. Um, there are right. Uh, there are folks that have had um, that have had solid careers where have done really really great things for kids and have occasionally made mistakes, whether that's a political mistake or getting sideways with a board. Um, I'm talking about you know the kinds of mistakes that are forgivable mistakes, but sometimes in the in the world of social media and internet that survives forever sometimes that's you know sometimes not everybody gives grace sometimes a school board will see something that happened to somebody in, in their past and it's like an immediate write-off and i feel that part of my responsibility um, is to do my best to help kind of share maybe that thinking with with a school board or a superintendent if they're doing the hiring that one mistake ought not define somebody's career um so and i that that's a, that's a body of work because sometimes it's just easier to write somebody off when when you see that. Well, and and you said mistake, but um, let me ask you this: I um, I've learned over my years that sometimes to do the right thing means that um, you know you're you know you you'll you know you're going to cause some concerns from some people, right? So you can do right. the right thing, and it doesn't mean it's going to be written up correctly in a newspaper, yes. right? A hundred percent. A leader yep. sometimes um, can pat themselves on the back for creating controversy if it was the right controversy to be created, and yet they can it can also impact them from getting another job, even though they should have been commended on that on the first place. Right. So it's not always a mistake. Sometimes it's just yes. the right thing to do. Right. You know. That is. Um, so yeah, I, I have a lot of friends, and as you do too, who have uh, done great work. And it can just be an article or two um, yeah. that's still posted that impacts them from getting uh, the job that maybe they should have gotten or they would have been great in or they would have been a great fit for. But people have a hard time looking past that, you know, so, something that somebody tweeted or posted about them. It's it's tough. Yeah, well said. Well said. Yep. So, you know, yep, yep. Your current work, you know, so as we kind of shift to that, you know, with, you know, a lot of... Uh, you know, recruiting leaders and helping districts and boards find the right fit for leaders. Um, what are some of the notable trends that you're seeing? You know, how about uh, things that are concerning and promising? Sure. Um, so I, I guess a couple of thoughts on that is, uh, so in the moment right now, in the moment of, of COVID and seeking new leadership, I will tell you that what is it's not, we have a lot of vacancies this year. I think I think people are probably aware of that and it's not really a surprise. I think a lot of folks last year didn't leave their districts, maybe out of sense of loyalty of, I can't leave my district in May of 2020, but now in January, 2021, like I'm really done. I mean, there's that, right? Yeah. Um, and there's folks that, you know, maybe at some point in the time in, in the near future, we're going to leave, but it's, it's brutal right now. Um, so, I think I learned that word "brutal" from you, Jeff Rose. That's one of that's one of Jeff Rose's favorite words, "brutal," ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I use that a lot. <laughs> so we have we see more vacancies this year, and that's that's a trend, and it's a little bit of an unsettling trend. Not surprising. What is what is so promising and wonderful is the number of people I encounter who are energized to take on school leadership roles, who are applying for superintendencies and are excited, who are bravely like willing to move across the country to take a new job. Um, 
that is just incredibly heartwarming. Uh, right now, I am in the middle of, or on some on, on some path in four superintendencies, uh, one of which is not just open. So I'll talk about the three. But the three, it's there are people that are just charged up and they are ready to do this work, and that is more than ever before. Just just really, it's just it's just it really is heartwarming. That's the only word I can say because my heart really feels warm when I talked when I talk to these folks who are. Um, you know, unflappable about what they care about, what they want to do, and what, how they want to help help kids and families. Um, so that's I call that out. I'd say the other thing um, that I would say is so a part of a superintendent search, um, and you probably remember this, um, is that a school district before they begin the selection process, they uh, they create the ideal profile, right? right. And usually, what that means is somebody like me goes to visit the community, or these days virtually visits the community, asks a lot of questions, and builds this profile of okay school board here's here's the 12 criteria that we hear you saying you want in your next superintendent and oftentimes a smart person will say to me hank doesn't every school board want the same 12 criteria and you know my answer is half of those maybe yes and half of those are probably more idiosyncratic than you might think but there are some commonalities. And when I think about the ones that are like most ubiquitous, the ones that like, however many engagement sessions I'm going to go out, I'm still going to come back with this on the list. So you want to take a guess on one or two of those? Oh, like you, it's automatically going to be on there? Yeah. You know, uh, we're looking for somebody who really puts kids first. Okay. We look for somebody who uh, listens and engages with the community, right? Mm -hmm. Listens. Listens is huge. Yeah. yeah. We need really, really good listeners. Someone who um, can truly understand and relate to and have empathy for, you know, things that families are going through. Um, you know, we look for somebody innovative who can start to think about, you know, maybe new ways of doing business and as well as organized, you know, some of our budgetary priorities. Um, we're looking for somebody who can also fly, um, you know, somebody with, who can fly that has wings, ah, okay. um, you know, um, can literally levitate uh, for long periods of time. Um, you know, I'm obviously kidding, but um, I, wasn't sure. I wasn't sure when he said fly if we were going somewhere or not. Okay, those are good. Yeah, the levitation one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's a great list. That's a really great list. Um, I'm going to zero in on a couple and then I want to add one more. Um, that listening piece is so listening and relational, which is actually not a word we use in our normal life very often, but for some reason that word always appears or virtually always appears, this relational notion, somebody who can build relationships, who cares about people and the listening. And you know what's so interesting is we're not all natural listeners, um, right? We're not. And sometimes superintendents have to speak and not just listen, but um, I would just sort of on a bird walk, I would encourage you because you very well might see that on a superintendent profile and it, it does matter. So, so attend to that, attend to that when you're speaking to a search consultant and to your board that show your ability to be an active listener as much as you sort of talk about whatever you're gonna talk about. But I wanna throw in one that you, you might not have said, um, which is communication. So the notion of communication in a school district I mean, talk about complexity and whether you're in a large, large district where communication is like so hard 
or in a small district where you know what it's still really hard because even in a small district it's like people know each other and whoever hears the message from the superintendent first is going to go tell their neighbor and their neighbor is going to be mad that they didn't get the message from the superintendent and that they had, they had to rely on their neighbor to find out and then the other neighbor didn't even hear from anybody so they're upset and so does that sound familiar to you jeff yeah it, it, it does i think that people sometimes assume that a small community um, it's less challenging as it relates to, say, communication. And that's actually not accurate. Um, it, it's just as um, challenging, and it, the, the political pitfalls in a small town are just as tricky to navigate. It just so happens that maybe the strategy is different. So yeah. it's not a level of hard or challenge from you know, different size of districts. It's, it really has to do with strategy. And, you know, when you communicate, uh, being a communicator as a superintendent, for example, in a small district, look to your left and look to your right. And often you are it. Mm. You don't always have right. an apartment that you can right. rely on, you know. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough no matter what. It's, it's tough. Um, and so not that you have to be the master of communication, but you have to have some deep thinking about how communication works more eff efficaciously, I guess, in a. In, in whatever district you're going into, that it can't be something you haven't really thought about. Um, and you think about it as a superintendent, but sometimes folks who are not at the superintendent level, that's not that's not what they have to worry so much about, right? Um, and so that the ability to think through how do systems of communication work and why, why is it so often that school districts, that families in school districts or stakeholders and employees in school districts often feel like communication doesn't work? It's not because people are necessarily bad communicators per se. It's because systems of communications have not been evolved to, um, you know, to facilitate sort of this massive communication of the same information at relatively the same time, right? Yeah, and communication is getting is getting harder, right? In this yeah. in this age where the expectations are really high, where there are many more channels in order to communicate, right, right and master. Um, it is, it, it's difficult. The, the speed in which we have to communicate is, um, is just something that, you know, a superintendent, you don't learn necessarily in superintendent school, right? How to master the art of, you know, social media um, and keeping up with kids is really tricky, right? So, um, so yeah, communication, that, that makes a lot of sense um, as, as to why that would be a priority. Um, so our members, right, are, are in leading ed, our superintendents, their executive teams, both both on the academic and, you know, operational side of the house. And so from your vantage point, I guess, um, what advice do you have for them right now? Um, you know, based upon the, the trends you're seeing, what would you say to them? To, to cabinet members who aspire to the superintendency? Either, either that or, you know, cabinet members who, um, you know, maybe are, you know, questioning um, you know, about mm -hmm. wh where do I, where do I go from here? Um, sometimes the best thing to do is to stay. Um, yeah. You know, we can talk about this grass or is greener co concept that pulls a lot of people in different directions. It's not always accurate, but, you know, as, as they sometimes they're, they're being, they're challenged, right? And so sometimes the first thing to think about is challenge. I wonder if it would be better somewhere else. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious, based upon the, the trends you see, they don't get to see those, right? Every day they're getting pounded. So right. what advice do you have for them? 
Yeah, I mean, so I'm going to give advice, which again, you know, comes from a guy who's not he's not in that in that trench right now, right? So, yeah, but, <laughs> so but, but they're not in yours, so it's it's nice to you say that, but true. So I think about folks. Um, I think about the folks who aspire to. Um, well, I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking two prongs. One is there are folks who have been in a place and done work, and it's been X number of years, maybe five, six, eight, ten years. It's like I got to do something else, and I don't know. And maybe I'm ready for an adventure, but really, this community and this job is kind of all I've known for the last decade. Um, and then I think also, and maybe the answer will be the same when I come to it or similar, but I think about folks who have sort of a career path and they've done whatever they're doing for a few years and they're, they're sort of on a career path that they sort of planned before and they're ready to sort of take that next step. Um, and well, I think, I think maybe what I'm going to say, since I'm sort of thinking a lot as I, as I, as I speak, Jeff, is maybe it's actually a similar answer to both, but a dilemma that we all face in schools when we work in schools is, and now more than ever, is like we're working like nose to the grind, right? And like, thankfully for organizations like yours, like that is an opportunity to sort of look beyond the pile of stuff on our work on our desk to engage with, with partners, right? But it takes it takes an act of intention to do that. It takes a will because you're not going to clean up your desk. Your desk is not going to be cleaned when you. All up, right? So, and I'm very guilty of this. I'm the guy that was like, I can't join this webinar because I haven't gotten to my to-do list today, right? And so I, I freely admit, I miss lots of opportunities to sort of engage with folks in other districts and other roles because no, I still have these seven things I have to get to. So don't be like Hank Harris. Um, the, 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 the challenge is that, you know, you can still do solid work in your organization, but here's the thing. There are countless, let me say it differently. There aren't a whole lot of people, if you're at a, a director or cabinet or superintendent level in your organization, there aren't a lot of people, maybe none in your district that do what you do. Right. And so, right? So what you know is what you do, is what your best thinking is, is maybe what your colleagues or peers sort of nudge you to do. It's about conversations with your soup. And there are a ton of people outside your district boundaries that do what you do. And I can tell, so I'm gonna relate this a little bit to search. I can tell when, I, when I'm interviewing a candidate who's been in a place for seven years and they wanna talk about innovation and they wanna talk about what, it, what, what would happen, you know, what, what are they bringing to a new district? And it's entirely limited, no smack at these individuals. It's entirely limited by their own experience, which is one experience. And it's not easy in an interview and this is not just about an interview, but it's not easy in an interview to convey a sense of here are the possibilities for you school board for your school district as I'm interviewing with a school district. Here are your possibilities. It's hard to do that when you only know one place. And it doesn't mean that you have to jump around jobs because that's another problem going for a year here and two years here and a year here. That's another issue that I don't highly recommend. So how do you stay long enough somewhere to actually have an impact and not be sort of myopic around your own little little you know tiny piece of real estate and you do that i mean it's not rocket you do that by lifting yourself out of what's on your desk and engaging with peers and partners um around the country who have similar roles or different roles in different districts of different sizes and who are but they're facing 
some of the same complex problems you have. And it's like, oh, wow, you're doing that? Oh, wow, that's an opportunity so that you can speak not as, hey, here's what we do in my district. That's not what you want to say in an interview. You want to say, here are some of the opportunities that I've seen that work well. And this one I actually did, but this one my good friend did, and that's extraordinary. And that kind of conversation is what I think is not only so you can do well in an interview, right? This is not about interviewing skills. This is about so you can be an effective new leader when you walk into your new school district um, and you have an array of ideas and options that you're thinking about as you sort of check out the landscape. People are going to assume that potentially I paid you uh, to be a <laughs> spokesperson for kind of our overall concept, right? Um, our, our members, 100% of our members are the only person in the school district with that responsibility as you just described, right? So, um, you know, they're, they're in, in HR, they're a CFO, they're the superintendent, they are in an isolated seat. And you're right, they spend way too long focusing on kind of what's in front of them, their community, their schools, and that should always be their priority. And there's a whole world of incredible things and incredible challenges beyond their backyard that if you're not intentional about in terms of, you know, peering beyond your local environment to learn and be exposed to other places, like you said, experience the same thing. You're limiting your learning. It's just, like you said, it's hard to do when you're getting hammered every day, right? It, right. And it really is hard to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's so, so important. And so, yeah, of course, you know, we, we hope we serve members in that way, but I appreciate bringing that up. Now, um, you know, I, I often talk about the, this, you know, greener grass scenario and, you know, ambitious people are often, you know, looking and considering jobs in other places. So, um, but in the meantime, there is a shortage of leaders. Mm -hmm. So what would, what advice would you have for district leaders to paint a picture of green grass to attract other leaders to their community? As you know, you know, really, really good leaders have options, right? Right. And so school districts come to you often, help us find the right leader for us. What would you recommend to our members to make sure that they do a really good job, not putting on a facade, but really highlighting the green grass that can attract great leaders to their communities? Yeah. So if we're if we're looking at what if I'm talking to a superintendent about bringing staff on, which is a different conversation than if I'm talking to a school board about bringing on a superintendent, um, so we can tackle that too because that's actually I think a little different answer. Um, if I'm talking about a superintendent who says I'm going to bring on a chief of staff, I don't bring on an assistant superintendent. I want you know the best one in the world. Um, so I think I think what I would what I want to know, and I, maybe I'll just ask, you know, straightforward or, may, or maybe I'll, what I want to find out, I guess, is saying is what, what makes you really excited? What are you doing in your district that really excites you, superintendent? I want to get the superintendent to the point where they are, where they beam. And sometimes they beam immediately and sometimes it takes a little digging to get to the place where they beam about something they are super excited about a new CTE program, um, renovation of a school site, um, academic 
standards and, and graduation rates. I mean, what is it that the work that you're doing right now, where do you feel like you're making this great impact that, that energizes you? Okay, first of all, if I can't find somebody who beams throughout digging, it's gonna be tough to find somebody who really wants to come to work for you. I'm gonna just be honest, if you're, you're jaded and tired and there's nothing that really is stoking you, I'm not gonna be a super effective search consultant. Um, but whether it's me or somebody, it's like, how are you gonna appeal somebody to work if you're kind of exhausted and not particularly thrilled about the work? So find that place that you're excited about. But here's the second and most important question is, whatever the answer to that question is, um, let's talk about let's talk about excitement around graduation rates and how far you've come in the work in your district to raise graduation rates. And you're going to hire a assistant superintendent of uh, human resources, or you're going to hire a chief finance officer. My second question is kind of more important than my first question, which is, what's that person's role? What does that person get to play? A, what role does that person get to play in that? work that excites you superintendent and enthuses you because if, if it only gets to be the superintendent who gets to be excited and enthusiastic that's that's also not gonna gonna market or entice folks so i want the superintendent to beam and i want them to be bringing on team players that are going to be part of that excitement that contagious energy um, we all are in this work because of mission and our missions are kind of similar from district to district um, but we have uniquenesses in terms of what we do really well and what right now in the history of our district, we're doing extremely well. And people wanna be connected, right? That's why we're in this business because we wanna be connected to doing great things for kids, families, and communities. And that makes a remarkable difference. And we all know we wanna work, we want a boss that we admire and adore and think is great, right? And that's maybe the biggest selling point in terms of, bringing somebody great to your organization. I mean, it's not about your website. Um, it's about the work I get to do and the people around me and the leader that I, that I have right there with me. That's, that's, that's what, that's what it's about. So, um, I think, you know, what the one thing I'd like to talk with you, I, unfortunately, I don't think we could do it now because we'd be on the phone for, you know, or on the this line for another four to five minutes. Um, and I know our members will have some questions for you. I, I'd like to set up uh, a conversation, another conversation with you. Or I guess I'm cornering you here. As um, it's gonna be hard for you to say no right here on camera. Um, but I, what one thing I'd like to talk about is how a leader um, assesses um, mm -hmm. an, a, a community that they're considering. Mm -hmm. You know. What are the factors? Because I think sometimes um, it's very easy for someone to get wide-eyed and attracted to a particular title or a job or a community or moving to a larger district there, or moving away from a challenge and maybe to a place where there aren't as many challenges. There's a lot of assumptions that get made and sometimes they, um, they're mistakes, right? And it happens a lot and I'm sure you see that often in your work really good leaders, maybe just not in the right fit, or they got too ambitious too fast. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm just guessing. Am I somewhat on target there? You're not talking about my searches per se, I'm sure, but you're no. talking about no. no. Learn. Your yeah, searches yeah, yeah. you place perfectly. And they, no, you're right. I, I, I'm, I'm being flipped, but you're of course, of course, we see it way too often. Of course it gets written up in the press too. So we know, we know that happens. We know that happens. And I think, 
No, keep, keep going. But I think that's an important conversation to have. Okay, so let's let, let's set that up. Let's set up a conver- another conversation, kind of a part two to this, Hank, where we start to explore almost your recommendations for leaders to, um, you know, dissect and assess um, organizations and communities so that they're um, able to find the right fit for them. Right. It it makes sense. You when you go, your your job is to be this matchmaker. Um, school boards go through the tedious work on attracting, um, of course, then interviewing and choosing. And that's a really, really hard process for them. Right. Well, in the meantime, you know, um, it's not just about them finding the right leader. It's about the leader finding the right place. And um, I think that there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding that I would like to start to unpack a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I know our members would love to be able to ask some questions about that, too. So if you're willing... I'd love to set up kind of a part two to this discussion. I'd be, I'd be delighted. It's, I think it's a really rich conversation, important one. So um, yeah, I'd love to engage with you on it. Awesome. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to do a pause here and we're going to part, but really only just temporarily. So um, ladies and gentlemen, leaders, leading ed members, uh, I'd like to thank, of course, Hank Harris for being here with us. I want to thank you for um, listening to this recording. Um, and in the meantime, um, keep your, um, your eyes up and your, your ears open for, of course, future opportunities to engage with one another, as Hank Harris was describing. It's really important to do. And in the meantime, for our next conversation, um, Hank and I, and we will find a way to ensure our members have, um, are able to ask questions and engage like Hank and I are doing here. So once again, Hank, thank you very much for being with us, taking your time, um, and potentially you can get back to your 80-degree weather. Um, I feel just awful for you. It's been really great to spend some time with you, Jeff. Always good to see you, and thank you so much. It's an an honor to get invited to be here with you today. Yeah, well, until next time, Hank. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Be well.